Nation. Ladies and gentlemen of Lafayette. The Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesolitis is Lafayette's number one sports show. Yes, I'm excited! He totally went to Jared. The voice of Lafayette Sports. The cream of the crop! Nobody does it better. Send us your thoughts on the text line at 765-447-4080. Now go to that voodoo that you do so well. Oh, but you're excited about your Boilermakers. Sam King's going to join us here in a little bit. Uh, we'll talk some high school. We'll talk some Boilermakers with him, too, uh, as well. Plenty of stuff to get to here on your Friday. So why waste any time? Let's go ahead and jump right into the need-to-know news. Here's your need-to-know news. All right, Big Ten football did start last night. That's uh, that's not a joke. The game, eh, that's up for your interpretation. 13-10 the final. Minnesota wins at home over Nebraska, who owned a 7-point lead with 12.42 left to play. Minnesota goes on to walk it off with a field goal from 47 yards out. There's more Big Ten tonight. Michigan State hosts Central Michigan. 14-point favorite is State. Over-under is set at 45. Purdue Volleyball goes five sets with the top 25 team in Kansas. In Lawrence, they come away with a road victory there. 3-2. Chloe Shaquin, 21 kills. They're going to get another top 25 team here shortly in Marquette. About an hour. Best of luck. To those ladies. Soccer did not have the same luck, though, unfortunately. Out at number 19, USC, they lose 4 to nothing yesterday afternoon. They're going to fly out to Colorado, play Sunday, before they get back to West Lafayette. Three Boilermaker women golfers named to uh, the golfers to watch list by Big Ten. Ashley Kozlowski, Mogo Siyama, and Ken Banabadi all getting the nods. Good luck to those ladies this season. Cubs in the middle of a doubleheader with Cincinnati right now. No starters for game two yet, but uh, right now we're sitting in the top of the seventh and a 3-1 to one lead by your Cubbies. Wicks, five innings, five hits, one earned run, three strikeouts, three walks. Ashcraft rug up six Cubby batters in five innings uh, for the Reds. Bellinger homered in the fourth inning, solo shot. Marte with an RBI single, and then Bellinger with a two-run RBI single in the top of the sixth. So Cincinnati leads the season series 5-4. to four. This is game one uh, out of the four set that they'll play over the weekend, and then that will wrap it up between the meetings uh, for the season between the Cubs and the Reds. Like I said, don't have anybody on tap. Pitching-wise yet for the second game, but that is scheduled for a 640 start. 
Speaking of those Cubs, you're also keeping an eye out on the Brewers. Uh, they host uh, Philadelphia tonight. That game starts at 8-10. Philadelphia, a slight minus 115 favorite there. Zach Wheeler takes on Freddie Peralta. Meanwhile, your White Sox are hosting Detroit tonight. Tuki Toussaint takes on Eduardo Rodriguez. Erod has one previous outing versus the Southsiders this season. He went six innings, five hits, one run, six strikeouts. Tuki hasn't faced the Tigers yet this year, but he is coming off his first win in about a month when he helped the Sox beat the A's. He's lost seven, or at least the Sox have lost seven of his last ten that he has appeared in. Also, it appears that Major League Baseball is going to give the White Sox a pass hiring internally and bypassing league rules on interviewing minority candidates since the White Sox, quote, have a great track record of hiring minorities already. Still, you feel like those rules are in place for a reason. Maybe they could interview for, like, the upper-level things. Is Nope, don't even have to try. I mean, it's things like that, the Rooney rule, they're there for a reason. They shouldn't have to be there for a reason, but they are there for a reason. And if you're going to hire internally, hire internally, that's fine. But I do believe you could bring somebody else in and talk to them. It's like people that marry their high school sweethearts. They're, they're all together through college. And then they uh, they went on and get married. It's like, they're the perfect person. I'm like, you don't know that. You know why? Because you've never dated anybody else. You've never gone outside that realm. It's been the same thing over and over. I mean, if you married your high school sweetheart, shout out to you. That's great and all. Maybe you dated somebody else in between there too. But I'm just saying, like, if it was the same person, you wouldn't know what other relationships are like, would you? It works for you, works for you. I'm not criticizing. I'm not saying you can't do that. I'm just saying in terms of what the White Sox just did and the rules that the professional sports league have on interviewing minority candidates, it just seems weird that you can completely bypass that stuff and be comfortable with that. I don't get it. Don't get it at all. There you go. That is today's uh, Need to Know News. We're on to be- We did pretty good last night, didn't we? We avoided that UCF uh, under... I told you it was too low, and then that thing went ahead and hit over. We took Utah. Boom. We took the Nebraska points. Boom. What was the other game? I think the other one that we picked it in. Because I thought we took, didn't we take an over someplace? Or did I just say Nebraska under? I totally, wherever I wrote this down, I didn't take. I know we got those two at least. I know that, and we avoided one. So either way, we slice it. That is a winning night to start out college football in week one. You'll love to see it. What do we want to do tonight? Well, I'll tell you this. A lot of people on Hawaii tonight. A lot of people on Hawaii. If you're not familiar with the Rainbow Warriors, they are hosting Stanford. This is the first game that Hawaii is going to host since the Maui wildfires. It's going to be a little bit emotional. Right? Sometimes those storylines... They, they tend to write themselves. Stanford is not an awe-inspiring team by any means. They are not expected to go far. Meanwhile, Hawaii 
I know it's Vanderbilt, but they still managed to fly all the way across the country from Hawaii to Vanderbilt and only lost that 135-28. to They look improved. Nine starters back on defense. It's a three-point spread last time that I checked this. And we're still at three. Plus 130 if you want to take the money line. That is the darling underdog pick of the day. A lot of people telling you Hawaii plus three or Hawaii on the money line. But Stanford's just not, they got a big widespread offensive overhaul. New quarterback. Very emotional night for Hawaii. That may be the place to go. Uh, Also, we talked about it earlier in the week. It's still sitting at 7.5 Louisville tonight. Jeff Brom is back. Georgia Tech is, eh. Now, Brom's got Jack Plummer. You remember old Jack? What, at the cowl? Well, he's back. Louisville also with a tremendous returning running back against a Georgia Tech defense that stunk at stopping the run last season. But in case you missed what I said at the top of this pick, Jeff Brom is the head coach. So running back, uh, boy. Yellow Jackets, just, they got nothing to throw the football with, nobody to make explosive plays. This just, this looks like a good spot for Louisville, even on the road. I might move this down to seven. I might buy that half point because I don't like seven and a half. But that's where I'm leaning to. Like Brom gets the offense going tonight. I don't think Georgia Tech's got the dudes to slow it down in the least bit. So we like Hawaii tonight. If you want to go money line, you want to take the points, whatever you want to do. I'm torn on what to do with Michigan State, Central Michigan. 14 seems low enough to where they should be able to cover that. But I haven't seen a lot of people pick Michigan with Michigan State with confidence. I feel like Miami Miami versus Miami is just going to be weird and an underachieving mess. Kansas minus 31, dear Lord. We're talking a lot of points there. So that's the that's the slate here tonight. Best of luck to you. I hope we find some winners. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Sam King, Lafayette Journal and Courier is going to join us next. Stick around for that. It's the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017 The Hammer. Welcome back to Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. You can always text the show at 765-447-4080. We're over to the Hammerhead Hotline, and Sam King, Lafayette Journal and Courier, is with us here as we enter week three of the high school football season. Sam, how are you, buddy? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, obviously, by this point, we know a little bit about some of these teams, and uh, 
That's always a good thing because two weeks ago you asked me questions and I'm kind of uh, <laughs> flying blind a little bit. <laughs> You're supposed to know all this stuff. Come on. Well, I know enough. All right. Fair enough. All right. So it was not a great week for most of our area teams. Obviously, West Lafayette, they get that uh, W. It's late. McCutcheon looked much improved last week, but uh, West Lafayette escapes with that victory. Uh, they're going to go take on Tipton tonight. I was blown away talking to Shane Fry, who brought this up to me. I didn't realize they haven't played each other since 2018, so he's got a whole team of players who have never gone up against uh, Coach Toll and the Blue Devils, which kind of blew my mind there for a second. Yeah, and I believe that game was a Hoosier Conference championship the last time they played each other, so uh, that's the thing with these crossover games. You don't see the same opponents every year, and in some cases it's five years before you see somebody. So uh, definitely odd because I feel like I've seen Westside play Tipton numerous times. Maybe that just says that I've been here for quite a while, but uh, covered a lot of great games between those two teams, uh, two storied uh, programs that uh, typically should be a good game, but uh, here recently, the Red Devils got the better end of the you know color devil battle. <laughs> the best way to describe it. Um, look, I thought the offense improved a little bit last week. Uh, obviously, Carson Kitchell got himself a little bit of confidence, but we were joking around in the press box at Gordon Straley Field that, uh, you know, as good as he was settling at quarterback, it, it might have been his right foot that won that game, not his right arm. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I was at practice the other day, and it was half joking, but uh, Carson Kitchell said, I think I have more punting yards this year than passing yards, and uh, I think that's accurate. So uh, clearly there's some frustration there. I think that the Red Devils are going to um, get going a little bit. And then, you know, you look at what McCutcheon has done um, in that game. I, I came away pretty impressed with McCutcheon last week. So uh, I think they're on the right track, even though right now Coach Strasser is not happy to be 0-2. Yeah, that stinks because those are a lot of fixable mistakes with the penalties. I Three drives in the red zone, you got nothing to show for it. You had a first down and goal from the five, and then penalties pushed you all the way out to a fourth and goal from outside the 20. I mean, you don't win football games that way. No, and uh, that's where after the game, walking up there maybe a year ago, if it's a 14-point game, he's feeling like, okay, that, that was a good showing. Um, he was not very happy. I don't think he even really wanted to talk to me, but... Coach Strasser, being the nice guy that he is, uh, you know, agreed to, to let me ask a few questions. And uh, he flat out basically told the team after that game, you know, we're not ready yet because teams that are ready do not, as you mentioned, get down in the red zone and come away with zero points. Uh, you don't have a game that's a seven-point game late and then allow a, what was it, a 65-yard run right up the gut to basically give your chances at winning. So, uh Steps in the right direction. I think that that all gets turned around this week with a different opponent uh, that's not West Lafayette. So uh, I'm excited to see McCutcheon season play out now, knowing what that team is starting to look like. Yeah, Muncie Central. If you need a get-right game, you need some confidence. Muncie Central is definitely a team that you like seeing uh, on the schedule uh, in in this conference. They beat them. I mean, last season it was 37 to 12, and this is. I mean, you could tell that the difference between this McCutcheon team and last year's team is is almost night and day. Yeah, and uh, it could have been worse last year. I think that McCutcheon had a chance to score uh, in the final minutes of that game and decided, you know what, let's just run the clock out, take our 25-point victory. And uh, after that game, I know Muncie Central was like, hey, thanks, there's a lot of teams that we've been in these situations, and they'll, they'll punch another one in the end zone and run up the score, and, and you guys didn't do that. And 
Coach Strasser believes, you know, that that comes around uh, in good fortune for you and uh, probably will so at some points. But, uh, you know, they, they do need to get a win, and I think that starts tonight. And then you can start talking about all the good things they're doing while also talking about the wins that are, uh, you know, going on the right side of the win-loss column. Well, come Strasser the Merciful. It is uh, the Hammer Down Show. Sam King, Journal and Courier on with us here on the Hammerhead Hotline. All right, let's talk about uh, Central Catholic here. They went down to Garen last week, Bishop's Cannon, and played about as bad of a game as you could, had about as bad a luck as I think you could. They, you know, they lose Mason Meister in that one as well to a freak accident. Um, they talking with Coach Nay, it sounded like this was, uh, you know, it was one of those come to Jesus type uh, weeks of practice here. They're going to go out and take on Hamilton Heights, who's off to a great start at 2 and 0 here. Uh, a Husky team that got him last year in their crossover game by 20 points. Uh, I feel like this maybe the CC team might be at a little bit of a crossroads coming into this week. Yeah, this is a a game that's winnable, but also an opponent that is uh, very dangerous. So, you know, this is uh, I don't want to say a make or break game, but this is a game where if Central Catholic bounces back and wins here, starts to feel really good about uh, where that team is at right now with Westside on the horizon and. Uh, I think that you know the gap between West Lafayette and Central Catholic next week is closed significantly, so that should be a pretty good game. But I guess we'll get there next week. Um, I, you know, I hope Central Catholic wins for the sake of that program uh, because that's really all that's been missing from the the Bernie May era from you know 2018, I think, until now is won a state championship. They've won sectionals numerous times, regional titles, um, but it's those slow starts where you play Garen, you play West Lafayette, you play another. Uh, quality opponent in there at some point and you're starting out one and three and uh you know you'd like to get off to a much better start and, and um get those victories over the like premier teams on your schedule sam king with us here on the hammerhead hotline uh one team that comes away with a loss but's gonna be feeling pretty good about themselves uh this week you know, harrison losing the playing field sectional opponent you, you lost to him last year in that first round of the sectionals, you know, they go for the two-point conversion, punched in. you got to take the long bus ride home. Uh, definitely not uplifting, but you know, Coach Peebles gets uh, C.J. Uh, Zeltwanger back, and, I mean, that uh, Calix Dillon has to be the happiest guy in the entire county getting that news. Well, yeah, uh, the line was extremely large, um, <laughs> but it's extremely much improved if uh, C.J. Zeltwanger is, is a – playing there so you know not a lot of division one players that terry peoples has had and he's got one right now at a position that uh, is probably one of need um to get those running backs going a little bit more to uh give your quarterback some time and you know aside from basically a 10 minute blitz there in the the fourth quarter against west lafayette harrison's offense hasn't um looked super sharp so far so you would like to see that uh you know you get up 14 and nothing at plainfield and you feel like you're you're in a good situation. You can't lose that game. Um, can't go the rest of the game without scoring. So uh, this will be a, a week where I think that offense gets going a little bit against Marion. And uh, we're talking about the Raiders, you know, towards the season as a team that can win a North Central Conference championship. That line now. So he replaces uh, Joseph Gutierrez, who is 6'2", 195. And CJ checks in at 6'5", 305. So that makes the offensive line 280. 325, 290, 340, and 305. That's 1,540 pounds up front. Uh, you can win some football games with that kind of size up front, can't you, Sam? 
Absolutely. And CJ Zeltwinger is a kid that if you're in a third and short situation, you know we can run the ball behind that guy and we're going to get a first down. And that's a great luxury to have as a football coach to know, you know, I think back to the Central Catholic days when they had Coy Cronk. Uh, just say, okay, we need a few yards, punch it behind him, and it's going to be a first down. So that is a, you know, a major upgrade to have him back, even though at practice this week he had a, a cast and his wrist was taped up so much that it looked like a, a freaking boxing glove on the end of his arm. But still, that's better than not having him. All right, and then let's go over to our final game here for the night. You'll hear it here on 101.7, the Hammer, starting at 6 o'clock the pregame and 7 o'clock with the kickoff. It's the uh, Jeff Broncos hosting uh, Indianapolis Arsenal Tech. Um, this is uh, this has not gone well traditionally for Tech. It was 80 to nothing last year. There is a stark contrast in talent uh, between both of these programs. And I, I look, I know that there's a couple of guys banged up. There's still some personnel issues for Jeff, so maybe not at full strength here tonight. But it's just it's not going to matter, Sam, is it? And I. And going to this game as well, and I fully expect a running clock in the second half and getting home early so that I can get up early and, and get to Ross Aid Stadium tomorrow. Um, that's my full expectations, but, uh, you know, Jeff is a team that needs that, uh, jolt right now. You play the two opponents, uh, that the Broncos have and you come away 0-2, but you feel like we really should be 1-1. It was a, there was a pass that was almost perfect last week that was dropped that probably would have been a, a game winner. So, um, that's heartbreaking, but, uh, as Coach Shanley said when I was out of practice this week, he told the team, we can still be the North Central Conference champions. We can still be sectional champions. Heck, they can be state champions. Every goal that they have is still in play. The, the goal was never to start out uh, 2-0, and and uh, the reason that they play those two games is so they have results like they, they had last season at the end of the year. Sam King of the Lafayette Journal and Courier. Great write-ups, too. Uh, great write-up on uh, Lance Crowder, too, by the way. That was a fantastic story that you put out there. If folks haven't read that one yet, Sam, t- talk a little bit about what you wrote about him. Uh, so Lance Crowder is a kid that uh, last year, uh, man, everything kind of happened on him and snowballed. He, uh, he had to have, basically have brain surgery, um, but he was getting seizures as a result of the tumor they found in his brain. And, you know, along the way, on top of being 16, 17 years old and saying, hey, you've got a, a tumor in your brain, um, the seizures caused him to tense up and basically uh, tear his shoulder because of how quickly the jolt was, I guess it sounds like. And so he had, I believe it was six anchors put into his shoulder. Um, he missed all of last season, but he was out there every single day, every single practice with the quarterbacks and going through the, the mental reps and everything else to be ready for this year. And I said, did you ever think about, you know, quitting football? And, and Pat Shanley said, I wouldn't have blamed him if he did, but it never crossed his mind. And he came out the, a week one and he put a touchdown on the board against uh, Cathedral, which is a, a highlight for anybody's career. So that is a, it's a phenomenal comeback story uh, to go from a guy that wanted to be a part of a sectional championship team and just was kind of a guy on the sideline that was an inspiration um, to being a guy that, that's starting for that team. It's a tremendous story. You should read Sam's full article over on the JNC. Make sure you get that subscription. He works so dang hard to tell these great stories in our community, and uh, we're darn lucky to have him and uh, somebody that cares that much to write these stories. Sam, you know I appreciate all your hard work. We'll see you out there at the uh, shoe tonight. Thank you so much, bud. All right. Take care. Thanks, Sam. And hey, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. Let's take a look tomorrow. 
Fresno State, Purdue. What do we need to know heading into this one? We'll touch on it. That's next. This is the Hammerdown. Big thank you to Sam King. It's the Hammerdown Show, 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. I'm Jared Chesalitis. Thanks for hanging with me here on your Friday. We're all excited about the return of Big Ten football. Uh, tomorrow it's Purdue and uh, Fresno State, noon. Last night, settled in, watched that Minnesota-Nebraska game, and it was something. Here's my biggest takeaway from that game. Why didn't anybody tell me Coach Prime was coaching Colorado? That's my takeaway. My goodness. Every every five minutes, some kind of graphic or commercial for Deion Sanders in Colorado. I developed so much irrational hate for the Buffs and Coach Prime yesterday watching that game. So much. I mean, for Pete's sakes, they're 20 and a half point underdogs. And they barely mentioned TCU. Remember TCU? Remember their nice little run? Yeah, I know they got waxed in the in the national championship game, but that was the whole, you know, they were the darling. That was a Cinderella story. Everybody was high on them. Meanwhile, Prime comes in with his Louis luggage. And you'd swear this is like the biggest college football matchup of the last 20 years. So much irrational hate for that game. So much. Tomorrow, Kyle Charters and myself will bring you Boiler Game Day starting at 10 a.m. We'll have Alan Karpik. Um, if Kyle has done his job, we'll have a uh, somebody from the Fresno State side of things to uh, give us a little bit of perspective there. We'll do dads versus daughters, you know, all the fun stuff that you've come to, to know and love uh, from us on that show. But tomorrow the curtain goes up. You know, we're, we're, we're back in Rossi. We'll get the, we've seen pictures, but we'll get to experience it all for the very first time. That's very exciting. But what about on the field? So many questions entering this one. Couple key guys missing and Gus Hartwig, Garrett Miller. But what does the offense look like? Let's start there. Devin Mockaby's put on some weight. He still appears to be shifty, or so they say. Could he be like the first running back here at Purdue to rush for over, was like a thousand yards in the last 15 years? It's been forever. 968 yards rushing last season. And remember, it's not like he started that season. I'm excited to see what you get out of them. Tyrone Tracy back there. How does that look? And of course, the biggest question on offense is Hudson Card. Lot of hype. Lot of hype. And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. I'm not saying he hasn't earned it. But he's got a lot to live up to from that on Saturday. I expect him to. 
I think you've seen him in some pretty big stages perform well. The question for me is, will that offensive line be able to hold up enough for him to get the ball where he wants to get it to? I don't necessarily have the questions about him being able to get the ball there. It's more of a, will he have the time? How does he look outside of the pocket? But, you know, Kyle wrote this on Golden Black, and I agree, don't tell him I said this, but I agree with it. There's so much uncertainty with this team on both sides of the ball. But you know about the talent in key positions like running back, quarterback, edge rusher. That should favor Purdue. I don't want to touch, I, I have not seen a bunch of betters that are recommending this game at all. And if they do, it's usually the under. But there's just there, there really is so much unknown with what Purdue is going to bring out there. You have an idea of what Fresno State is going to bring. Five or six starters back in that front six. They were very good on defense last last year. They're big on the interior. They're small on the exterior of that defensive line. And the linebackers are pretty good. That's going to be a battle up front. That may be the number one battle that I'm looking for right here is Purdue's offensive line and the offense versus that front six. You go on to the other side, and I love our defense. I absolutely love the Purdue defense. I have been on record for how many years? Nick Scourton. I absolutely, absolutely love that kid. And he's going to have a breakout year. I'm telling you right now, he's going to have a breakout year. Enjoy it. I think there's a lot of talent with those outside linebackers. Linebacker, the linebacker core in general I love. I'm interested to see Dylan Thieneman as a safety here. Cam Allen, uh, you know about him picking off the football. All these corners I think you're excited to see in action because you know that is the calling card of Coach Walters at Illinois was these, uh, was these corners. What can he do with what he brought in? Because it's all new. Because Jamari Brown was the was the last one to stay. But he up and left because I don't think he was on the two deep. Arcavius Brown, Derek Rogers, Marquise Wilson. How does it all look? He said, you got Cam Allen, Sadducee Kane, Dylan Thieneman all in the back end there as well. Very interesting. I like the defense. I'm excited to see Yanni out there, you West Side fans. And a lot of folks that know that last name have been wondering where he has been at. He slides into that linebacking core. How does he look? It's been a long time since we've seen him play. Well, this defense has an awful, awful, a lot of potential.
but I like the linebackers. Will we get every question answered tomorrow? No, we're not. This is not a game you're throwing out everything in the kitchen sink. But I do hope there's some things that that remain as holdovers. You know, for from the Jeff Brom era. Lord knows we like those trick plays, right? Uh, hopefully we still stay aggressive on offense. Just how much passing is there going to be? How much running? Is this an offense at Graham Harrell that's willing to go to the run if that's what's working? Because that was a struggle under the uh, under the Jeff Brom era, right? We had to we had to beg the, the run's working. Don't stay with it until they until they adjust. Keep going. Now it just wasn't something that happened under the Brom era. So I'm very excited for the matchup tomorrow. I think the Boilermakers, who are now four-point favorite in this one, I do think they find a way to win tomorrow. I would not be surprised to find this thing close and a low-scoring game. Is it going to be ugly like last night's 13-10 matchup, Minnesota and Nebraska? Lord knows these two defenses are capable of doing that. But I like the... The, the talent that's here at the positions that it's at, I'm very excited about. But my my must-watch battle here will be that offensive line versus whatever that front six brings for the Fresno State defense. We're going to take our last break. We'll come back. Things we may have missed, and we'll wrap it up here on the Hammer Down Show for the week. Welcome back to the Hammer Down Show as we wrap it up on your Friday. Get you into this holiday weekend, into a weekend filled with your Boilermakers, high school football, Big Ten football. What a time to be alive, baby. And then, of course, what? Oh, we got NFL football coming up on Thursday. We're six days away. Oh, it's the best time of the year. Let's go. Uh, checking in with your Cubs on the front half of the doubleheader, top of the ninth. Cubs lead 6-1 to one in this one. Corner two for five with a run. Ian Happ, two for three, two runs, a homer, and two RBIs. Cody Bellinger, two for five with a run, a homer, three RBIs. Say a Suzuki with a homer. Looking good. Looking good. We have no starters for the second one here, but yeah, Happ just uh, homered here in the uh, top of the ninth and scored Dockman as well. So six runs on ten hits as the uh, Cubbies handing it to the Reds here in game one. Game two slated for a 6:40 start. And then you've got uh, the White Sox tonight at 8:10. but I know you're more interested in the Phillies and Brewers at 8:10 because that uh, divisional lead is down to three games. It'll be two and a half after this win here. So you keep your fingers crossed as a Cub fan. All right, uh, on to the things that we may have missed. Yeah, the ACC is expanding despite UNC's Board of Regents saying they didn't want to vote for this without some kind of significant financial considerations, but they have voted the ACC to add three schools, Stanford, Cal, and SMU. That brings the league to 18 members. That will all start in 2024-2024. 
I look, this is different from the Big Ten for a couple of reasons. One, the Big Ten got the brands that mattered out of there. The ACC does not need Cal. Cal desperately needs the ACC. I would think that you don't need Cal and Stanford. They're right next to each other. Cal has so much debt. I'm a little shocked. This is done to to negotiate more for TV revenue and protect your teams against the SEC poaching. That's what this is. The big made a move. You know the SEC is going to return in kind. Where is the SEC going to add from? It got what it wanted out of the Big 12. It's not going to take anything from the Big 10. Where do you think it's looking for? They're looking to steal Clemson from you. They're looking to steal UNC from you. And certainly you got teams like Miami and Florida State that are ready to bail. And you already saw what happened to the pack. They're sitting wait. You got teams that are looking to pay $100 million to get out of town. You do not want to have any weakness. And if for some reason the SEC is successful in taking a couple of your brands, you still want to have enough schools to, to maintain the interest and the dollars coming in. You don't need another exodus. And quite frankly, adding teams from the Big East do absolutely nothing for your football. So you're forced to do this. I think, look, it's a play for survival, but you're late to the party. SMU, okay, sure. But to add two West Coast teams like this, it just reeks of desperation. You're the last to make the moves, and you're getting what's left. I just It just feels like a move for survival. And you don't have to make these now. You could lose a couple of your teams, and they'd still be available to you. What are they going to do, join the Mountain West? And then you're unable to get any of them? I just... This seems like a desperate move out of the ACC. I don't like it. I don't think they're not brands that necessarily make you, but Stanford's all right. But Cal's doing absolutely nothing for you. SMU's really not doing much for you. This was just a move to get to, what, 17, 18 teams and be protected in case Power 5 turns into Power 3. And you don't want to lag behind the Big 12. It's the Big 10 and the SEC, then it's the ACC and the Big 12. There's a clear line of demarcation. And then there's the two-pack. Come on, that was easy. All right, that's going to do it for us on the Hammer Down Show. Don't forget, coming up tonight, 6.30, we're live from the shoe, bringing you pregame action between the Broncos and Arsenal Tech. I'll see you back there, and then enjoy your holiday weekend. And I'll see you tomorrow for the Boiler Game Day show on 1017.